Chapter 15, Orchid He feels as though he's floating, but not really. It's more like he's being dragged through heavy sludge, a polluted river, his body resisting everything and nothing at once. He feels like he doesn't exist and yet every molecule that makes up his design is twanging and vibrating with life and energy. He feels pulled apart and stitched back together, shredded to bits repeatedly, scattered through time and space, drifting in the vacuum, something sucking him in and out in one constant breath that rises and falls endlessly. Sirius gasps as his eyes snap open, his back arching with the expansion of his lungs that he thinks shouldn't have any bearing at all because he's not real. Muscle memory, habit, his brain supplies distantly, but Sirius can't focus on it. He stares up, is met by the void of greedy black waiting to pull him back down, and he panics, flails, until the darkness shifts a little and Sirius finds himself gazing into a sea of brown. He can't look away, the hue, not one thing but millions, a sea of dazzling colors, glints of yellow, speckles of amber, a dusting of the deepest burnt orange. It's the richness of earth before the rain comes, smoky quartz that dazzles in the sunlight, the caramel gloss of milky tea. It's like staring at the edges of a cymbidium orchid, the outside of a chestnut cracking under the heat of a too-hot fire, counting rings in the center of tree trunks aged so long and so beautifully mere years can't compare. Sirius sucks in a duller breath as he becomes lost in the bursts of images, all these things of life he remembers so clearly even if he can't recall all the parts of his own. They flicker past his eyes like records being shuffled at a fast pace, a film playing at an out-of-order, dizzying speed. One flashes through his mind, overtaking his vision, melding every part of himself with the vision, brown eyes glittering through shadows too thick and disorienting to properly focus on, something about them spinning. He blinks, staring up, finding more brown eyes fixed on him, surrounded by a familiar face, a smattering of dark freckles over a broad nose, cheekbones highlighted by those same marks, lips pulled into a thin, unreadable line, a crease formed between dark brows. And somehow it looks the same but different, Sirius's ceiling haloing the head instead of the bricks like he'd thought existed before. Sirius shakes his throbbing head, still attempting to split open on him as he lays over his hard floor. The images quickly retreat until they're nearly forgotten, only a faint blip at the outer reaches of his mind. He still has the feeling of a heavy weight pressing down on his chest, but it's beginning to shift away slowly, and Sirius groans as he attempts to reorient himself, focusing in on Remus's face above him after a while. The other man doesn't speak, like he's giving Sirius time to return from the gaping emptiness he feels as though he's been trapped in for centuries. I'm back, says Sirius eventually, voice hoarse, the words ripping through his throat painfully. He grimaces before he can stop himself. Yeah, you are, concurs Remus. Sirius expects him to sound caustic or cruel, somehow deprecating, but he doesn't. Whatever hurt or anger had existed in the man upon disapparating seems to have faded now, leaving behind a somewhat grievous expression that Sirius can't fully understand. And I think I've figured out what controls when and how you can leave this flat.